104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Yeah, that's right. On a Monday afternoon, Joe Weston with the hardest working man in all of broadcasting, Ned Brittles. How are you, Ned? Honored to be a part of a little piece of historic uh, broadcasting and sports trivia, as it were. The earliest weekday show for the Chiefs we've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. The schedule. I never thought that I'd have to juggle things around on a Monday afternoon to uh, come in and do the show. John Oliver in the studio with us, part of the B team. How are you, John? I'm doing well. You have to expect the unexpected, Joe. That's right. Well, yeah. How can you do that, though? That's that's a sports cliche that you just just, just can't do. It's almost Yogi Bearish. So let's get to it right away. Let's talk about last week's game. Raiders and Chiefs, and uh, I think I'm the only person that I've talked to that feels like the Chiefs played a really bad game. <laughs> well, I think everybody no... else thinks the Raiders played great, and I, well, I, I, they played good. They played very good. It's a combination, but, Joe. Yeah, combination of them. I thought the Raider, the Raiders, in all honesty, played better than Kansas City. But Kansas City is capable of playing a whole lot better than what they did. And I'm not sure the Raiders are. I'm sure the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders may have played the top game that they played in many years. They were really on. They did everything right. Kansas City did not. And this is, as we mentioned earlier, this is pro football. These are professional athletes. They were all stars in college. They all know the nuances that go into the ball game, and they're all capable of coming up with championship performances like the Raiders did. John, what did you think of last week's game? You know, I'm, I'll agree with you to a point, Joe. I didn't think that – the Chiefs played well by any means. I think it was a sloppy game. I think they finally had a lot of pressure on Mahomes and couldn't quite get the routes open that they're used to getting. Saw a lot of things forced throughout the game. But to Ned's point, the Raiders did play well. I mean, they mixed up the rushing game, had a few long touchdown receptions for Derek Carr to different individuals. They, plain and simple, beat the Chiefs last week. Oh, yeah. I think they were were the better team on that Sunday. And I just, but when I looked at that game, it just seemed like the Chiefs seemed completely out of sync. And it it was, I think you made a good point. It was very forced. Yeah, it's the the Raiders who forced them to be out of sync. And they did it with with a, a, a mix of their defensive stances. They, uh, they they utilized the linebackers in various roles. They did a little blitzing, not a whole lot, but they did some enough to throw the Chiefs off balance. And they put, I hesitate to say passive pressure because had they gotten to Mahomes, it would not have been passive. They flushed him out of the pocket on a number of occasions. And despite Mahomes being a terrific athlete and a great passer, he is marginally less effective when he has to run and throw from the run. And he did on many occasions in that game. Well, we've seen the formula with both the Raiders and the Chargers that if you've got a team that can bring pressure from the edges, you can flush Patrick out of the pocket and you've got a good zone coverage because that seems to be what works best, then that's the formula. But you have to have those two things to be able to beat the Chiefs consistently I don't think there's any question about that you do have to you have to be playing well that's why I think the Chiefs win today because I don't think that Buffalo has anywhere near the defense that the Raiders were able to show in that game and they did they showed it very well they also when they were able to 
flush Mahomes out of the pocket and get him on the run. Now, frequently, when, when he gets past that first uh, wave of defenders, he gets off some big runs. They limited that. The Raiders immediately charged. They forgot the receivers downfield and came up and put some pressure on him there, too. It was a really well-done defensive game plan. I don't think that Buffalo can do that, but we'll find that out in a couple <laughs> hours. John, we talked about this last week when we did the show and maybe jinxed the Chiefs a little bit. Talk <laughs> about the undefeated season. We is, did. Is this a good loss? Uh I'm glad you brought up the undefeated season. And, you know, it's hard to believe it wasn't quite a calendar year since the last time we talked about a Chiefs loss, yeah. but it was really close. And that's something, you know, to the listeners out there, to Chiefs fans overall, only a couple of teams have had a perfect regular season. Two, to the best of my knowledge. One didn't even complete a perfect season. That was the Patriots. So it's not going to happen very often, if at all. To borrow a page from Ned, these are professional athletes. There are going to be weeks when professional athletes have a down week and other professional athletes will have a superior peak week. And I think that's what we saw. Do I consider this a good loss? No, because there's other teams I could have seen the Chiefs being upended by. However, I have to credit the Raiders again. They played well and they got pressure on Mahomes. That's the key. John Gruden said going into this game that he loved Andy Reid, but he hated the Chiefs. (laughs) And you could tell that this was the game that they wanted to get the monkey off their back, at least for the time being. So, you know, hats off to the Raiders and John Gruden for putting together a great scheme and a great game plan. I think, I think he had them motivated to a, a, just a, a finite point. And the fact that he looked back in the record books and said, hey, the last time we beat this team was, I think, 2017, if I remember correctly, in uh, Oakland. And the last time they'd won in Kansas City was 2012, I think, somewhere around there. So these, you know, these are figures. The, the Chiefs had beaten them 12 or 14 times, something like that, in the last four in a row. So uh, this probably stuck in Gruden's mind and stuck in the mind of the long, long uh, playing Raiders as well. They wanted that game. They showed it. They got down what 14 to three at one time and came back and won it. And once they came back. I really felt like this team is playing with a great deal of energy, and they aren't a bad team. No, I mean, this is not a fluke. No, they no. were the better team. Not at all. Not a consistent team, but that's been, not, that's been a Raiders problem for a long, long time. Even within the course of a game, they can look incredible. You think this is a really good Super Bowl caliber football team, and then you'll see them a little later in the and you think, well, this is not a Mighty Might team even. They're just, <laughs> right. they're yeah. simply no, just not a good team. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Ned Talk. Yes, we're on early because there is some Monday afternoon football. It starts at 4 o'clock with the kickoff as the Chiefs take on the Bills up in Buffalo. And let's talk about the NFL just around the league. And uh, we've got a segment called Who's Hot in the NFL? It's brought to you by All Service Air Service. John, who's your pick for who's hot in the NFL right now? For who's hot in the NFL right now, I have to say, if we're basing it on this week, I have to go with Tom Brady. I mean, what a performance against the Green Bay Packers. No one saw that coming, and it they absolutely dismantled a Packers team that's been putting up points at will this year. Dad, who are you? Can, cannot your deny that at all. Brady and the Buccaneers, who I think are a very dangerous football team. But for... For consistency and for level of play, I go with the Indian. I'm sorry, the Tennessee Titans. Mm. Here's a team that has been plagued with COVID-19 problems. They've had just a, a, an abbreviated practice schedule. They've shut down their camp. They've reopened their camp. They've shut it down. 
these guys have to be in just oh an apoplectic frame of mind. What's going to happen here? And yet they continue to win and continue to play very well. That's a good team, and they're going to be awfully tough to stop. I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to cheat and do two. I'll do an AFC and NFC. Steelers and the AFC because I oh, think yeah. they possibly are the team to beat in the AFC. They are undefeated. Mm-hmm. And the NFC, a little bit of a dark horse in this one because I watched the game last night. I thought the 49ers looked impressive. Their record is not impressive, but they, they looked really good last night with a couple of guys back on the defensive side of the ball, and Garoppolo looked very good. And they beat a good Rams team last night, and they made the Rams look pretty bad that whole game. So, However, that's... Joe, just as a point of argument, they lost to Miami uh, last <laughs> week. And now keep in mind Garoppolo was banged up and playing on a damaged ankle, and his ankle is better now. But uh, no, I'm not sure that San Francisco can stay on the field with the Seattle Seahawks or anybody like that. That's a tough Seattle's division. Good. We've talked about that's a That's a really tough division. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, shift gears and talk about the Chiefs. They made an acquisition this week, if I can speak clearly, (laughs) if I can say that it's easy for me to say. Uh, Le'Veon Bell and uh, differing opinions, sometimes from the same person in the same day. What do you you think, Ned? (laughs) Moi is not the individual to whom he's referring. No, I have have made it. uh, You can't deny the acquisition, nor can you deny the fact that the Chiefs could use somebody like Le'Veon Bell. He has a great record as far as a professional athlete, a great record as far as a college athlete, All-America, Michigan State, a very good running back, uh, six years of active duty with the Pittsburgh Steelers, a guy who has done a lot, a three-time All-Star. The key is six years with the Steelers and one and a half with the New York Jets, of which it's, the time has been very limited. And that's a lot of pounding. On those legs, and I don't care who you are, as everybody knows, the lifespan of a running back, as an effective running back, is about four and a half years. That's not why they're bringing him in. They're bringing him in for depth, and from a depth standpoint, I think Le'Veon Bell will fit the bill. That is if his mental frame of mind is okay. He's a guy who is accustomed to being, the the limelight is on him. He's the star of the show. Now, can he put that aside when he knows he's on the championship team? You know, we got talking about this the other day. The money, these are professional athletes, and, and they play for money. But you know what? With some of these guys, there's one thing that's even more important to them than money, a ring. And he would love a ring. And he could get a ring with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's not going to be making a whole lot from Kansas City. Their uh, their base salary for him is under $700,000 a year. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, well, now, that's a lot of money, <laughs> but compared to what they can be making, heck, he signed for $52 million with the Jets. Yep. Uh, the money factor doesn't appear to be that overwhelming a circumstance here. The Jets are playing, uh, they're uh, paying part of his salary. They're paying, I think, $6 million or something like mm-hmm. that, or something around that figure. He's playing with the Chiefs because he wants to win a championship. Now, is he willing to sacrifice the ego and some of the other factors that go into this? The one thing, there are two things that have some concern for me. Number one, he may not be the player that he used to be, and he thinks he still is. And number two, can he absorb the Andy Reid school of thought? It's a, it's a different level of thinking altogether. Now, uh, Shani McCoy, when he came in, he could do that because he played for him. He played for Reed with yep. Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. 
Bell never has. So John, your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell? Uh, I agree with Ned, and I'll look at this from a point-counterpoint perspective. The good news is, what do the Chiefs have to lose in this signing? Honestly, it's a roster spot that would have been occupied by somebody else who probably wouldn't have gotten to play very much. The upside is Bell has been a three-time, thousand-plus-yard rusher. He's not ancient, but as Ned points out, he's had a lot of wear and tear. Here's the counterpoint, and I always bring this up with the psychology of sports. Ned brought up Andy Reid's scheme. If you remember the days when the Pittsburgh Steelers were perennial Super Bowl contenders, which wasn't that long ago, they had three kind of figureheads on that Mount Rushmore. It was Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Ben Roethlisberger. Only one of those guys is there two years later. Another one has basically been out of the league, still looking for a job. And then you have Bell that didn't make any fans necessarily with how situations were handled with the Jets. I don't think he was put into a good situation with the offensive scheme that they run with the Jets. When you have your defensive coordinator criticizing you, the head coach on the offensive scheme in a press conference, that's a dysfunctional organization. But I wonder, in contrast to how a veteran like Terrell Suggs came in last year and fit in very well with the Chiefs, provided that veteran leadership, could he possibly become that clubhouse cancer? That's my fear. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell's history is not not a great one. He sat out a whole season with the Steelers because he wanted a new contract and they weren't willing to give him what he wanted. And then he signed with the Jets because they, you know, brought a pile of money up to his house. But he's <laughs> basically, last season, you didn't hear his name. I, I will admit the Jets are a crappy team, but sure. still. Well, he only ran for 87 yards. I think it yeah. was something like yeah. that, a, a real minimal amount. Uh, keep in mind, too, that I don't care what sport you're in or how old you are or how great a star you are, if you sacrifice one full year, you may feel good about yourself, but your body doesn't. You Correct. have lost a whole lot of timing. You've lost a lot of rhythm, and your whole mental approach to a game has been changed. And that is the situation with any sport where it, somebody chooses to sit out to prove a point. We are just about 44 minutes away from the Chiefs pregame. You're listening to our pregame. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Yeah, we're doing Ned Talk on a... uh, Monday afternoon, because we've got Monday afternoon football coming up at 4 o'clock. The Chiefs and the Bills. Let's talk about college football and what's brewing in college football. Brought to you by Arctic Air Food Equipment. Ned, big weekend in college football. What would you uh, take away from it? That Alabama is virtually unbeatable. <laughs> they, that, what a really good team. Yeah. Georgia, Georgia's fine ball club. Missouri still has to play Georgia. Uh, that might not be very pretty. Uh, Alabama is just uh, head and shoulders above everybody else, except Clemson. maybe Clemson. Yep, yep. And Clemson, now Georgia Tech is just not very good at all. But Clemson went to Atlanta, Grant Field in Atlanta, and beat him 73-7, to I think it was, something like that. Well, my, and, and they're probably calling off the dogs and doing that. <laughs> they did. They took oh, Trevor yeah. Lawrence out, I think, at halftime, and he didn't play good. most of the second half of that game. He's... Um, 
He's quite the talent. He is. Now, whether or not Bama can defense against him if it comes down to that level of championship game, and I think it probably will, judging by what we see, although the Big Ten and Pac-12 have not played yet. Yeah, let me ask you this question. The top ten's out, <laughs> and there's two teams in the top ten that have not even played. How's, of, how's that happen? Well, one of them is Ohio State, and of course it's all based on reputation. Ohio State, I think, if I'm not mistaken, plays this coming weekend, I believe. It's either then, uh, it's the next weekend, or the following one. Yeah. Uh, so the Big Ten will be getting back in there. Yeah, how does that work? Well, this is, this is a strange year, and uh, obviously it's a bogus poll that's come out there. But still, the Buckeyes are pretty good, and on the West Coast... There is not a very good team right now, yeah. unfortunately. Southern Cal would be usually the king of the hill, but they may be suspect as well. But how can you how can you say anything since none of them have played the game? <laughs> I know. It just cracks me up. Ohio State, I mean, it just, you know, I, I don't get it. I well, don't... It's, it's their preseason uh, preseason perspective. Yeah. Well, if, if reputation mattered... I guess everybody would be, uh, the Yankees would play in the World Series every year, wouldn't they? Yeah. What's, what's the name of the team again? The Yankees. I'm not familiar with them. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Ned, are you going senile already? Come on. What's uh, struck you about college football so far this season, John? Uh, this is going to sound really bad for fans of this organization, but how bad Oklahoma is this year, really, that's what struck me. I mean, they have fallen off a cliff and. To me, it comes down to two teams, the teams you guys have mentioned. Clemson and Alabama are head and shoulders above everyone. Yes, Notre Dame's undefeated. I I would strongly, strongly suggest they would get run out of the building against either one of those yeah. teams. Well, we're going to find out yep. because they do play Clemson. <laughs> Notre Dame and Clemson play. The key is they play in South Bend. Yes. Now, does that make a difference before a limited fans I kind of doubt it because Clemson is pretty doggone good. But I do remember within the past, oh, 25 years, Notre Dame's had two games of the century against Florida State, number one, and Miami, number two. And they are both in the same conference with Clemson. Mm -hmm. And Notre Dame, being uh, the underdog in both of them, won both those games in very emotional battles. Now, the Notre Dame team... I watched them play. I really thought they would dismantle Louisville, and they didn't. Only beat them twelve to seven, something that now they were they dominated the game, sure. just didn't score. But you take a look at that Notre Dame line, and it is massive. Their offensive line, mm -hmm. unfortunately for them, their skill players are not the skill players that Notre Dame has had in the past. There is the problem. Can they score? They can defend you. And they can hit you hard, but can they score? I think that when they play Clemson, which I think is November 7th, if I'm not mistaken, I do know that <clears throat> the game has been changed to a night game for uh, NBC television purposes. Did anybody ever tell you television might control some of these games? Never. <laughs> oh, come on. Anyway, never. it's a Saturday night game. They've changed it. They'll turn on the lights, and NBC will show it nationally. But I would think Clemson wins that one probably – uh, 34 to maybe 14 or something like that, a dominant game. I have a feeling that if if everything just was going the way that it was, that the networks and the NCAA would find a way, even if Ohio State hadn't played a game, to still get them in the conversation <laughs> for the college playoff at the end of, of the course, season. Absolutely. Ohio State. Yeah, they're Ohio State. Draw. 
the Ohio State University. Well, you know, and Joe, people make fun of that. That is the name of the school. That yeah, is, well, the official name of it is the Ohio State we're University. We're the Missouri State University. I uh, know we're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about that for just a second because the Bears wrapped up their fall schedule with an 0 and 3 record and uh your takeaways from the Bears they're, limited season they're a much better team from what they had been you have to understand now that central arkansas who they played on a saturday night has played virtually every week the bears have not they played this is their third game and they've been widely separated by as much as 3 or 4 weeks you can't maintain a rhythm like that you can't and and, and that's where the bears have began to falter and when it came down to crises times in the second half, they made mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. They are young players. I really feel like Coach Petrino has some really good skill players on that team. But they're young. They're still learning. But I do predict that given a chance to work out on these three games here, take some time off, and then get back into drills in preparation for the spring season, I think you will see when they get to conference that they'll be a much better football team. John, what's your thoughts about the Bears? Uh, I have to say I'm mildly optimistic. Uh, I haven't got a chance to see you know every play of the three games that they did play. However, it seems like Petrino's doing a really good job getting these kids motivated. And he hasn't quit yet. And he hasn't quit, which is a plus. <laughs> no, yes. guys, but no, no to, to his credit, and as someone who's been a detractor of his in the past, no news is good news. It's been quiet from his camp other than the fact of you know, him showcasing some of the young talent he's got. And I think, as Ned said, once they get into conference play, I think we can be a little cautiously optimistic. Let's check in with John on our uh, injury report, which is brought to you by Morrison, Webster, and Carlton. Absolutely. So shortlist for the Chiefs, Sammy Watkins is obviously still out. That will mean increased receptions for Robinson and Hardeman more than likely, as we saw last week. Mitchell Schwartz is questionable on the offensive line for the Chiefs. For the Bills, it's it's a longer list. Dawson Knox, tight end, he is out. Matt Milano, linebacker's questionable. Uh, Tredavious White, their cornerback, is questionable. John Brown, their wide receiver, is questionable. And Quentin Spain, their guard, is also questionable. And one name that is not on there who will be back in action is their second-year running back, Zach Moss, yes. out of Utah, who is a very fine athlete and a very fine runner. And that adds a certain element to the Buffalo attack. I don't think it's enough to win the game. but right. uh, Oh, don't have, you? Mike is is curling up in a fetal ball right now every time that you say that because you said that last week you said that no you, no no you misunderstood me last week or it was an imposter in here <laughs> it, was, it was your evil twin ted Roberts. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but hey again the pro athletes i do like the addition of zach moss uh, back there for uh, josh allen to work with allen is principally a passing quarterback and that's what they have is a passing attack but how well it works against a Chiefs defensive backfield that's good but not great. Uh, I think a lot depends on that. You know, Allen, when he was playing out at Wyoming, my goodness sake. But then again, it's Wyoming. It's the Mountain West Conference. <laughs> that's not among the toughest conferences in the country. But the guy can get it done. He's, he's not an incapable quarterback. And the Bills obviously th- uh, think the same thing because they unloaded Tyrod Taylor. Well, I, it's interesting to see how this whole week plays out. The Chiefs obviously coming in with something to prove. They've fallen off the top of the power rankings. And the Bills, also a team that has something to prove. I mean, a lot of people felt like that they were a playoff 
possible Super Bowl team going into this matchup. So we'll see how it all plays out today with these two teams. We're doing Ned Talk. We are on a little bit early because, in case you didn't know, there's a kickoff at 4 o'clock this afternoon, Chiefs and Bills. We've got pregame coming up in 29 minutes right here on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. If you haven't done so, stop by our Facebook page and check out our picture for today's broadcast. The three of us were sitting here reminiscing about the old electric football days. They were such fun. Yes, oh, they yeah. really was. I have, I'm, I have two brothers. One's two years older one's two years younger. I'm the middle one and my, the younger brother. And uh, I, oh, my God, the hours that we spent playing that game. Oh, good gracious sakes alive. This is probably after your time, but I had Super Toe, too. Do you remember that one? Do Ooh. not remember it that. It was a guy one. about this big. And he had a little plastic football you put in front of him, and he hit him on the head, and he kicked field goals. Oh no, I don't remember <laughs> and so this at all. So you would spin to see how far you would kick the field goals from, and <laughs> and I would play in the hallway of my parents' house because we had a long hallway, and and uh, you know the ball was really hard though, so it made a lot of noise when it would do something. But I had all those all those sort of games. My my brother and your had dad a, would go knock that noise off. Exactly, <laughs> my brother had a computer football. Thing that was like one of the early ones. I don't even remember how it worked. It was all done with lights and stuff. It was just, it was kind of crazy. I was a stratomatic geek. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about our player of the week. It's brought to you by Mid Missouri Bank. That would be you, Ned. <laughs> well, I'm debating, debating on the player of the week, but in all honesty, I am going to have to go with Travis Kelsey. I'll tell you why uh, Kelsey has a chance to really be so important in this game. The Buffalo Bills have an awful awful defensive record of trying to hold tight ends not just Kelsey but any tight end that they face they're they're defensive I don't know what the numbers are but it's something like a 400 rating or something at the bottom of the list they have trouble containing any tight end well who's the best tight end in the game right now probably Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. he, and he will be looked upon by uh, by Mahomes and the Chiefs offensive scheme as really being a key in this one today once you get the the ball to him of course he's tough to bring down number 1 but once you establish him as a receiver that opens up all the rest of them and with such blinding speed that they have i can i just see Kansas City as being able to thwart anything that Buffalo tries to do now that's not to say the bills won't score i think they will but i do think Kansas City using that offensive philosophy will get the better of them it's hard to match up for anybody with Travis Kelsey, you can uh, go almost every week and pick Travis to be your guy. What you can do, though, what defenses can do is double-team him yeah. and take him out of the mix. However, that leaves somebody else free, and you just have to work on your schemes to to make that effective. However, it can be done. John, who's uh, who do you think is going to be the player of the week this week? I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say McCole Hardiman. Really? I really will. Um you know, not to take anything away from Sammy Watkins, and we talked about this, I think the best thing that could have happened for Hardeman to finally get in the mix would have been a receiver like Watkins going down. And knowing Mahomes, I have a pretty good feeling that Hardeman and Demarcus Robinson have been in practice this week strictly running routes after route after route. So Hardeman's speed is near the top in the NFL, and I think he could have a big game. Let's 
go back to Le'Veon Bell for just a second. We should point out to everybody that he will not play today. That Correct. he will not. He will only be active in the game against the Broncos, which is a week. About a week away, which is little, assuming that the hamstring injury that he has is uh, allows him to be at full full hamstring work. injury. I saw the air quotes on that one, <laughs> <laughs> but that's when he'll be active so that he can play for the Chiefs. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, and he will be now. He won't be a starter. What he will do is spell uh, Edward Solaire in there. Edward Solaire, and we talked about this earlier. He's fine running back. Great receiver, but he is not very big. No. And can he can he play the role of a power back? No, I don't think so. And 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 I think we've seen this when he gets down into uh, scoring territory. He has had trouble punching that ball in. Now your line, of course, is primarily responsible for creating those holes. But you have to have a power running back. Le'Veon Bell is that power running back. He can get that job accomplished. For just a second, I want to go back to last week's game, and I had these horrible thoughts while I was watching it that the – and you could say that the Raiders made the Chiefs look this way, or you can think of it in terms of maybe the weaknesses were re-exposed, that what we saw the first year Patrick Mahomes played and the beginning of last season, weak defense – porous offensive line and those two things really stuck out against the Raiders what are your thoughts on that I don't think there's any question about it the Raiders were adept at exploiting whatever weakness Kansas City had not maybe not to the fullest extent but certainly making them look bad because of that uh, past events the past events faltered uh, how, what was the uh, one play where the receiver and it's a guy who's hardly ever used was Wide open on a 42-yard oh, yeah. shot downfield. Mm-hmm. You you can't have that sort of thing. You have to have a constant level of attention because these are all capable athletes. And the same, that holds true certainly with the Buffalo Bills. Now, Buffalo played the Las Vegas Raiders just a couple of weeks ago and ran them right out of Las Vegas. I mean, they owned the game. Yeah, The Bills were very impressive that day. But these are different teams. They're different styles. And the matchups in each case are probably going to be so diverse as to make predicting almost well very frustrating. John, your thoughts on that? I I think the Chiefs are going to bounce back well this week, and I think you have to look at last week's game as we always talk about this. It was kind of a blueprint on how to beat the Chiefs. Now that being said, you know the pass rush, the pressure, the coverage in the secondary. They had a chance to win or tie that game at the end. So you can't look at it as terrible. I think you fought pretty hard if you still have a chance on your last possession to be in the game. Unfortunately, you almost never see Patrick Mahomes blindsided. Saw that twice on that last drive. Usually we say he has eyes in the back of his head. He got crushed blindside. And then in addition... He threw a really bad pick towards the end of that game. Yeah. I mean, just threw it up into traffic, and I counted four different Raiders. Any one of them could have picked that off and ran it back. Yeah, he did not. I thought that that was the first bad game that he's played. I felt that there was a lot. And, you again, it goes back to you can always say that it was the Raiders that forced him in this position, mm-hmm. but he's always shown a lot of maturity where he didn't have that for lack of a better term, that Brett Favre mentality, I'm just going to throw it up and screw right. it, see what happens. I mean, how many times did you see Brett Favre do that? Drop that back shoulder and just say, I'm going to launch this. Let's 
Let's <laughs> let's just hope that my guy can jump the highest. Mahomes you know, kind of, will learn. Yeah. He will. He'll, yeah, he'll, I do. T- I think oh, that. Yeah. yeah. The experience that he gets. I'll tell you, there's one thing that he did do, and you just brought it up. He got creamed a couple of uh, times by bl- uh, being blindsided. One in particular, where the where the uh, blitzer rolled off the block the way you're supposed to. Just a classic example, and nailed Mahomes, yeah. and Mahomes never saw him, and got nailed. Held the ball. That was the yeah. part I couldn't believe, Ned, because I thought, well, there's a fumble. Yeah. Somehow he held on to the ball. Well, he did it. I do not know how. And then in the next game on that, and this is last week, was it uh, the New York Giants? Yeah, the New York Giants quarterback, kid from Duke Jones. Oh, yeah. Very same play. Fumble it. Yep. Dallas picked it up and ran it <laughs> in for a score. What's your prediction for today's game? My pick is going to be the Chiefs. I'm going to give the Chiefs 33 and uh, Buffalo 17, 33-17. John, your pick for the game? Josh Allen's a very good quarterback, but I think he's still developing. I think this team's developing. I think the Chiefs will be extremely motivated. I'm going to go 37-14 Chiefs. I'm going to do something that we've not done so far this year, Uh-oh. and I'm going to pick the opposing team. Uh-oh. Ooh, Ooh, you're out. Two in yeah, a row. I'm gone. I know. I'm <laughs> picking the Bills 24-17 to win this game. I think maybe the little bit of hangover, the flight out to Buffalo, I just feel like maybe we'll see. We'll just see. Well, for point of argument, I'm pretty good at assessing hangovers. And you're, <laughs> and you're always better after them. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, Ned has to leave us yeah, before we do the last segment. He's going to head over to uh, another broadcasting network and uh, be on television. Good luck, Ned. John and I will be back in a moment as we do Ned Talk or John and Joe Talk right here on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. This is where we usually do the weather, but I'll do the Buffalo, New York weather so you know what's going on. Rain this afternoon there, 51 for a high, dropping to 47, so it'll be chilly, rainy weather. Buffalo, known as a beautiful city for weather, right, John? It would help rain. if I turned on your mic. Yeah. There we go. Never rain, never fog. Just beautiful. It's a, it's like Tahiti. Yeah. The Tahiti of the East. I've already uh, made my boss mad by picking the bills he sent me in Texas. said, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? I just have a feeling. I don't know. I, I hope I'm wrong. Hey. I do. I seriously hope that I'm wrong. Let's go with your fantasy picks, John. And that is brought to you by Fazoli's. Sounds good. I've only got one this week. It's, you know, as the season goes on, fantasy players, you know, it's harder and harder to find those gems on the waiver wire. This is somebody that I think has flown under the radar that you can probably still pick up. Had a great game last week, and he has replaced the perennial pick from the Colts in the receiving core of T.Y. Hilton. I think this is the guy that's getting more targets. Zach Pascal. Had a great, great game last week. So if he's available, you need some receiving help, get him. He's a kid out of Old Dominion. I think this is his fourth year in the league, and he's been picking things up. That's pretty exciting. Exciting time of the year. We just got done with the NBA playoffs. The Lakers won another championship. Yes. I think you still have to put an asterisk next to it because of just the way the season played out. Sure. Everything in baseball is going to have an asterisk next to it this season, but we do have a World Series that starts tomorrow at 7 o'clock, and that will be the Dodgers and the Rays. What's your uh, thoughts on that? 
Well, we were talking about this a little bit before we came on live, Joe. The postseason has been really exciting. I told you I've never seen as many home runs robbed over the fences as I had in both those last championship series. Uh, Cardinal fans are a little bit bitter, obviously, as Randy Rosarena went over to the Rays in the trade with Jose Martinez for Matthew Libitor, who probably still a couple of years away, and I don't know is going to be a number one starter necessarily. But uh, I'm really excited to see how the Rays perform. They remind me a lot of the Kansas City Royal teams that have won the playoffs. They do everything small ball. They do everything right. There's not a superstar. There's not a 30-home run power guy. They just play to win, and they hustle. So no offense to the Dodgers. The Dodgers are more of the the flashy star power. They've got a fantastic pitching staff. It's going to be a good series, but oh, I just kind of like it for the little guy sometimes. I'd love to see Tampa or yeah, Tampa Bay come in and and take that series. Tampa Bay has tremendous pitching and they just don't have a guy other than um I can't think of his name. Tyler right Glass now. now is their big guy. Yeah. Blake Snell was Blake a Snell, former yeah. Cy Young Award winner. I mean, they've got a couple of guys up top. Charlie Morton's pitched really well for them. And they've, uh, you know, the, the one thing to admire about the Rays organization is they have done it really well with this really small payroll. <laughs> and they watch guys leave and go to other organizations or they make trades before they get to free agency and pick some other younger guys back up. And they've got a really, really good, they're always there in the mix. And, uh, as anybody knows that listens to this show, I'm a Yankees fan, and they could not. The Yankees could not beat them this year, and and I they were the better team. They deserve to be in the World Series, and I will admit, fully admit, that I am, I'm rooting for them over the Dodgers because you know, absolutely. I, I feel I feel like a turncoat here because I, I'm rooting for them <laughs> because the Dodgers are the money team and the you know and I'm a Yankees fan which obviously is the money team. I'm waving my arms around madly in the studio. If you could only see me, I look like a crazed duck at the moment because we we have these lights that go off because they don't think anybody's in the room and the lights are off and I can't get them to come I back. I just thought on. it was mood lighting. So yeah, though. it's mood lighting. We're doing, here's your pick. You're going with Tampa Bay. What do you think? How I'm, many games? I'm going with Tampa Bay. I'm going to go with them in 6. Thank and you, Nick Fury. Here's something for people to keep in mind. You know, we talk about during the baseball season as Cardinal fans how wretched the Pittsburgh Pirates are, and they've been hard to watch the last few years. Yeah. A big nucleus nucleus of this Tampa Bay team came over in the trade for Chris Archer. So Austin Meadows, Glass now, Charlie Morton, there are big names that came over in that trade. And where are they now? They're playing for a World Series. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Should be an exciting game tonight. We uh, also have another game later on. It's the Bears and the... No, that's week seven. I'm sorry. Who's the Monday night game? Do you know? Ooh, that's a good question. I can find out quickly. I was looking at the screen and I thought, I watched the Rams play last night. So who's the other Monday night game here? Let's we'll find out quickly. Find we're out. we're prepared professionals when we do this. So. <laughs> and we can't pronounce professional. Yeah, and I can't pronounce professional. <laughs> I only talk for a living, so just please leave me alone about all that. We'll uh, we'll get to that in just a second. We'll tell you who's who's hopefully playing tonight. All right. For this week, of course, we have the Chiefs game, but the night game will be the Arizona Cardinals versus the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, okay. That's, a, <laughs> that's, that's 
it's not as exciting uh, as it might be on paper before this year began. It's like saying the second movie in the double feature is a Martin <laughs> Lewis film is, is what you're talking about there. So who do you got in that one, Arizona or the Cowboys? Oh, uh, I think the Cowboys are reeling from Dak Prescott. I mean, that's a huge injury to the franchise guy for them. I really think Kyler Murray is a, a outstanding player. He really hasn't had the team around him this year, but I think Arizona comes out on top in that game. Andy Dalton gets a shot. He does. He's had some shots in Cincinnati. So. <laughs> like how you put that. He's had some shots in Cincinnati. So you're going. You're going with Arizona. Tonight? Definitely going to go with Arizona on this. All right. I will. Uh, I'll just for argument's sake. I will pick the Cowboys to win tonight. That's game. fair. Maybe they'll. Uh, you know. Maybe they'll step up and get a big game. Just about. Well, we're about three minutes away from the start of the pregame show. That is with Mitch Holtis, Snart Haynes. Kickoff is coming up at four o'clock this afternoon, right here on one hundred four point seven The Cave. So, if you cannot persuade somebody that you need to leave work early, <laughs> you can listen to the game. Just make sure you're listening to it on the radio. We can't stream the games, so but you can listen to it on the radio, and you can listen to it right here. Kickoff at four o'clock. John, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Really, really appreciate you uh, coming in. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, my friend. And doing the show. Ned Reynolds is uh, overdoing some TV. He'll be back with us on Sunday when we do the show again. That starts at one o'clock. Go Chiefs. I want to say thanks to Mike the Intern, Corbin Campbell, Nick Fury, Scott Meyer. It's been Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live Chiefs sports talk show.